Good morning, it's Esti Schreiber here from SA Natural Products. And with me in the studio, I've got Dr. David Nodia, the head of the medical and research department of SA Natural Products and also a homeopath. Welcome, so lovely to have you here. Thank you, it's good to be here again. Sleep and the brain. A common question on the helpline of SA Natural Products where people say, what can I do? I need to sleep. I battle. I remember with my mom ages ago. I mean, the reason why SA Natural Products exists is because of a a remedy in the Avogel range called Dormisan that she used when for four months she battled to sleep. And that was because of pain in her body that she had that a homeopath finally diagnosed as being an overworked liver. So Dormisan and about sleep is why we are here today. So we're talking about sleep. Dr. Dave, what happens when we sleep? So most people think that sleep is just a resting time, which is largely correct. But there are so many different bodily functions that occur while you are asleep and occur optimally while you are sleeping. Um, And if you don't have enough sleep, those functions have become compromised. And a lot of people aren't aware of these other things that happen. So the couple things that you need to be aware of, and the first is there's certain hormones that your body produces, particularly while you're asleep. And one of those is growth hormone. So growth hormone is necessary not just to grow if you are a child, but growth hormone is necessary for cellular repair. So every day cells die, we have inflammation, we have damage that occurs in the body. Growth hormone is necessary to repair that daily wear and tear, breakdown and recovery. So growth hormone really, really important, produced while you're asleep, particularly in the third and fourth stage of sleep. There are five stages of sleep, by the way. And uh, a couple of other things that happen is certainly really important if you are a scholar or if you're a student or anyone for that matter who's learning and experiencing new information every day, is that while you are asleep, your brain files and archives all the new information it receives so that you can source it and recall it when necessary. So there's this filing, sourcing process that takes place in the brain, which is really important as well, particularly for facts and episodes um, and things that have occurred in your life. So that's really important, and, and that's a typical example of why when you're sleep-deprived, you're not so sharp the next day. You know, you, um, And certainly students who make the mistake of sitting up all night, doing all-night studying sessions, while they battle to recall that information further down the line. It's short-term memory, and to try and access that information a few weeks or months later is very, very difficult because the sleep hasn't allowed that proper archiving of information to take place. And then the third thing which I wanted to mention was detoxification um, in two ways. Firstly, the liver is most active from about midnight to around 3 a.m. That's when you are physically resting, your body's, your blood pressure's lower, and the liver then takes that opportunity to quickly try and clean the blood and filter. And that's when it does its work the best, is when the body is asleep. So if, you, if your sleep is regularly interrupted, or broken for that matter, or you have very late nights, or you're working alternating day and night shifts, that process of detoxification can actually become a bit disordered. So the liver's not getting the space it needs to detoxify the body properly. And if that happens for many, many nights, week in and week out, month in and month out, there are uh, detoxification consequences that can occur that um, is being associated with some of the long-term issues 
that occur in patients who are chronically sleep deprived. So detoxification of the liver, really, really important, happens while you're asleep, particularly around about midnight onwards. And uh, and then the other thing is the brain, and it's a form of detoxication occurs in the brain as well. There's fluid that circulates in your brain and bathes all the cells of the brain with nutrients and so on. And uh, while you are asleep, there are certain toxins that the brain produces. One particular one is called beta amyloid. And beta amyloid is a toxin that is associated with the development of Alzheimer's and dementia, for example. So it's a toxin that actually hurts brain cells. And if you are not able to remove this toxin sufficiently, it builds up and it can cause degenerative change in the brain or aging of the brain prematurely. And while you're asleep, they've actually shown this in studies, that these little passages that of fluid that clean the brain and remove toxins dilate by 60% while you are asleep. So they open up really wide and they allow the brain to almost to clean itself and wash itself. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that happen while we're asleep. It's not just about resting. Detoxification, really important. Production of certain hormones, really, really important for overall health. Not just so that you can wake up feeling refreshed, but to, you know, you are detoxified. The information that you've learned over the last 24 hours is properly stored and archived. And these are all major components of general well-being. Wow, there is so much that happens. We think we're sleeping because the body has to rest. When the body doesn't rest, you you will die. You have to sleep. People cannot be sleep deprived. It it causes delirium. Uh, you you must sleep. Yet so much happens. The body just does something differently while we are sleeping. Amazing. What I've also learned is that between one o'clock and three o'clock in the morning is when the immune system recalibrates. That is when all the cells come back to base to get the new information, refuel so that when you wake up, it can go and fight and do what it needs to to help you. You know, moms always say children need to sleep to grow. Children need to sleep to be able to get better. When you've had a good sleep, you will feel so much better. Interesting that we use these words, but we don't actually realize what really is happening when we are sleeping. So sleep is just so important for all functions of the body. Now, when your liver is working harder than what it should because of the toxic load that it's got to deal with. Say, for example, you're a person that consumes a lot of coffee throughout the day. And then in every cup of coffee, there's sugar. And then there is cake every afternoon. You're eating not the food that nature is giving you. You're eating stuff that comes out of factories. And then you're consuming large quantities of alcohol. That all needs to be detoxed and cleansed through your system again. And if the liver needs to work harder than what it should, you wake up between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock. That's also something I know is people have this sleeplessness in the middle of the night between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, and that's often associated with a liver that's overworked. Exactly. So that patient will tell you, I just wake up for no reason. It wasn't a noise. I wasn't stressed. I just wake up. And, uh, and built into that is the liver also controls your blood sugar levels. So when you are fasting and your sugar levels are lower, um, and you're, they're getting too low, the liver then releases a hormone which mobilizes stores to keep your sugar levels at a minimum level. So if during the night, which is when your sugar levels drop, the liver is sluggish and not functioning properly, there's a bit of a hiccup that takes place and the sugar levels drop too low. So then you have a little bit of an adrenaline response yes. to kind of get that process going. And that's just enough to bring you out of your sleep. 
sleep issues and liver go hand in hand. From a from a holistic medicine point of view, you often find these the two uh, it coexist um, at the same time. See, you know what I'm jealous of. I'm jealous of the time when I was a child and I would be able to get into bed at night and I'm exhausted and I climb into bed, snuggle inside the bed and fall asleep. And when I wake up, I'm in the same position and I've had eight or nine hours sleep. Why do adults not have that anymore? Why is it something that children can have but adults can't have it? We have a great night every now and then. What happens? Life happens. (laughs) Life happens. It's it's what, just, I think you know what it is. It's called responsibility. Responsibility, stress levels, oh. what we put, what have, what have we been putting into our body for all those extra years? Um, it's just a combination of things. It's sad. Responsibility is probably tops the list. <laughs> I feel I I miss those kind of sleep. When I've had a great night's sleep, I'm a new person the next day. Your energy levels. You can go the whole day, and you wake up literally fresh and alert. And there's no there's no cloud hanging over you. There's no fuzziness sitting there. There's no dry, gritty eyes that you have all day long. When you haven't slept well, your eyes are gritty, they're red, you feel miserable, your energy levels are low, you're short-tempered. Grumpy. Yes. Those are all things when we don't sleep properly. Sleep is so crucially important. And then you've got some people that say, oh, I don't need to sleep much. Four hours a night is enough for me. I beg to differ. I don't think it's normal for any adult to say four hours in 24 hours is enough. It can't be healthy. You can't sustain that. It's just not possible. So how much sleep is normal for a child? For a young child who's actively growing, it's as much as 10 hours. Oh, so it's lacquer. a lot more than, than you and I. Um, and uh, the average, they say, for adults is around about seven to eight hours. Um, but we know that younger patients need, and, and I'm using the word patients, but generally speaking, children need more sleep. What you do start seeing in elderly patients is they, their number of hours of sleep a night gets, becomes less and less. And they often have a, a problem where they wake up too early. So they wake up at four in the morning and they can't wide awake again. can't go back to sleep. So that is quite a common phenomenon in, in older patients. Uh, and then, of course, in between that, you have the just stress-induced insomnia, which is just so common. Uh, you know, stress and anxiety um, and other mood-related conditions, which negatively impact on sleep. So it's different from different ways that sleep problems present at different times in your life. What's important here to know is that sleep is crucial to good health. You want great health a strong immune system, a central nervous system that fires and works exactly as it should, a digestion that functions optimally, a filtration system that works well, you need to sleep. So there's a few things that we all can do every day to help us to sleep better. And we call that sleep hygiene. Now, people immediately think, oh, the bed needs to be clean and I need to be washed before I go to bed. Those are two, yes, they have to, that needs to happen. If your bedroom is not clean, your bedding is not fresh and nice to get into, you are not clean. It's not easy then to sleep well. You can't sleep with dirty feet. When you touch, your, your skin touches one another and they stick, you just can't sleep. It's going to keep on waking up all night long. You need to go to bed clean. But that's not what sleep hygiene is about. Sleep hygiene is what your bedroom looks like and what you are doing before you go to bed. Now, what are a few of those pointers? So the, so the environment is the one. So the sleep environment, as you've mentioned, the, 
there are a couple of things that are important. Number one is the temperature of the sleeping room. I think about one of those really hot, humid Durban evenings where you're sweaty and it's sticky and you wake up during the night. I mean, Mozzies. mosquitoes, yeah, that doesn't help either. So versus a, a moderate temperature where you don't. So the, the, we all know that extreme temperature will affect our sleep, extreme cold or heat. So if you are able to control the temperature to a comfortable point where um, you are relaxed, that will definitely help with sleep. So temperature of the room and then noise levels, obviously that goes without saying. Really important if as much as we can control. Light levels are really important. This is something that people don't really always think about. Um, sure, you're not going to sleep well if the lights are on, but it's not necessarily at that level. Even a small amount of light. Think about um, a, a light being emitted from a bedside clock, you know, electric clock, or the pilot light even on a TV in your bedroom shining all night has been shown to affect sleep levels. So it could be one little LED light. Mm-hmm. Um, so your room needs to be dark. So, and you know, classic example is someone has their cell phone next to them, and we'll come to that in a minute, but. This phone flashing, receiving yes. messages during the night, that disturbs your sleep. It's proven. So light levels need needs to be as dark as possible. Put use shutters. So if the you know if the sun is rising really early and it's getting light really early in summer, then use shutters or blinds or you know to to block the Blockouts. sun out. And if you're living in 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 an area where there's a lot of light outside, then of course try and try and close that off as much as possible. So the environment is really important. And then your routine before going to bed for the hour or two or even three before getting into bed. What is your, your, your routine? Now, I always ask patients who come and see me for insomnia issues, what do you do in the last three hours of the day? And it certainly shouldn't be coffee. And, and you know, certainly from mid-afternoon onwards, you shouldn't be having any caffeine. Um, alcohol at night, can people think it's, it relaxes you? It may, but it causes rebound stimulation. So that's a no-no. Um, so stimulating foods, um, sugar, a lot of sugar at bedtime spikes your sugar levels right up. And in the middle of the night, your sugar levels crash. Liver has to quickly compensate, wakes you up from sleep. So that diet uh, is really an important aspect uh, as well. But other stimulating things. So you shouldn't exercise at night, for example. So if you're going to exercise, exercise in the morning. I fully But you agree. go to the gym at yes. 7. And some people are in the gym. You drive past the gyms and you see the light and people are on the treadmills, <laughs> you know, 7 o'clock at night. And, and that's great because they're exercising. And, uh, but exercise too late in the day can also affect sleep. But also just watching something stimulating or something that stirs up negative emotions. So like a, a horror movie or, a, you know, a, 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 a action, you know, it's, it, that's going to stir up your adrenaline and then get into bed and switch the light off. You're not going to sleep as well as you should. So stimulating activities, uh, rather do something relaxing, like relaxing music or, or reading or something that gives you a buffer between the end of the day and switching the lights off. Students make this mistake. They sit there studying in their bed with their books, and they study until early hours of the morning, and then lights off on the pillow. Mm. And what happens? All your work is just going through your brain. You know, there isn't a buffer. Mm. So your routine before you go to bed is really important and to take into consideration. And then another factor, and I mentioned the cell phone, is um, electromagnetic radiation uh, and and bandwidths that are around us think of a wi-fi router biggest mistake is to have your wi-fi router in your bedroom that thing is downloading and receiving information all night long and and transmitting and emitting uh, information 
between it and all the other devices. So at very least in your bedroom, there shouldn't be any of that going on. So switch your phone off at night or put it on flight mode. And if you've got a Wi-Fi router, it's not necessary to have it on at night, hopefully, and you can switch that off. So if you try and get rid of all that extra stimulation that you can't see, um, that can go a long way at, at improving sleep. So Think about the cell phone. Think about the Wi-Fi. Those clever phones where you can tell them, okay, my daughter can phone me. Yes. My uh, a person, uh, certain numbers can come through, but not all numbers. And that the, the rest is switched off so that if there is an emergency at night, those emergency calls can come through. But the rest, no. You need to have a time of rest. So you've got to create that. You know what is another good trick? Often we wake up in the night and you go, oh, I must remember. And then you don't remember because you must remember to remember and then you don't remember. The thing to have is a piece of paper and a pen next to your bed. And when you wake up and you remember that you've got to remember something, go and write it down. Immediately write it down. Because you've written it down, your brain knows you've done it and then it can switch off again for you to sleep. But if you lie there and have to remember to remember, you're not going to fall asleep again because your brain is going to say to you, I must remember, I must remember, I must remember. How am I going to do that? So it's a nice, easy way of getting the brain not to have the stress of remembering. Piece of paper and a pen next to the bed and just make a note. Absolutely. And then the other thing that we, we need to mention as well is routine. The better your routine, the more likely that your body is to be able to switch off and relax. So if you're getting into bed at 7 one night and it's 11 another night, there isn't that established routine. And that's really important, particularly with chronic insomnia, is to make sure you have a good uh, sleep routine. And then the other thing that we fall into the trap of, because we don't sleep well and we're tired during the day, is we have a nap. Yes. We nap during the day. And that could be okay. A little 10-minute power nap, is there's actually good health benefits mm. for that. But if you go and have an afternoon sleep for two hours at 3 o'clock and sleep from 3 to 5, and then you try and get into bed at 7, 8, or 9, 10 o'clock at night even, um, you're just going to be wide awake. <laughs> so you then entrench that habitual insomnia by then having your, by sleeping during the day. I think that often happens in older patients or older people yep. that they catnap often throughout the day. First, somewhere between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, they have their first nap. And then just after lunch, they have another mm. nap. And in the afternoon before 5, they have another nap. And then, oh, no, tonight I can't sleep. Mm. It's you, just habitual. And you get into correct. that pattern, that repetitive pattern. Now, for you to fall asleep, your brain has got to have what? GABA or what is it? Melatonin? What is it? What is it that the brain has to be able to fall asleep? So melatonin is the sleep hormone okay. that's produced by the pineal gland, which is in the base of the brain. And melatonin levels typically start rising as the sun starts setting and gets darker outside and they peak at around about midnight. And that's called a circadian rhythm where your body then produces the sleep hormone at the right time. It allows you to switch off and shut down and you can relax. The interesting thing is that as melatonin rises, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, drops. So um, so you can see the link between being stressed and not sleeping because yes. if you're highly stressed and wired, your cortisol is really high, it suppresses your sleep hormone yes. and you can't sleep, you can't yes. shut down. So um, melatonin is strategically designed to switch on at a certain time and then it just before around about f you know, four or five 
in the morning, the levels drop and then they reach their lowest at about eight, nine, which is when your cortisol is at its highest, mm. getting you ready for the day, start going and, and get your routine happening. That's why they check cortisol at eight o'clock in the morning. That's why you check cortisol at eight in the oh. morning. So because cortisol is meant to be at its highest then and its lowest mi- at midnight. So if you've got it the other way around, think about people who are doing shift work. Think about a security guard who's particularly stressed at night, potentially. Um, so one day they've got really high cortisol at midnight and the next day they're off night shift and they're not trying to sleep. That's why you have issues with trying to reestablish a rhythm because your body just doesn't know whether it's day or night. Mm, pilots. I should be alert or I should be asleep. Mm. Pilots is a long-haul pilots. Another typical example. Okay, so now something else that I've learned is that the best sleep that you can sleep is before midnight. I don't know why. It's just something I've heard. You can sleep for eight hours from midnight until eight o'clock in the morning. You're not going to be as alert and full of energy and as well as the person that goes to bed nine, ten o'clock at night and has an eight-hour sleep until mm. six o'clock in the morning. That person has a better health and a better sleep than the person that slept eight hours from midnight onwards. It's interesting. I don't know exactly what works, but this is something that I've heard before. So try and get to bed. Dr. Fogel said we should go to bed with the chickens and we must wake up with the chickens. Mm. And that way you, you are sleeping according to the rhythm of nature because chickens go to bed when it's dark and they wake up when the light comes on. Now, the thing that makes the body awake is light. Hence why the room needs to be dark. Now, I remember saying to my husband the one day, waking him up, your phone is on, your phone is on. Look, there's light in the room. And he said to me, it's not the light, it's the moon. (laughs) The moon was so full and bright that it was shining through and it looked like there was a light from a cell phone that was going on in the room. So we put a blind down. So when it's full moon, we put the blind down in the room and close the curtains and that way we have a dark room at night. So very important. We also, whenever we travel, we take Prestik with us. And you just put Prestik on all the little pilot lights in Anywhere that is in the room is to block out with the curtains. Because guest houses need to have um, light for security reasons, but that light is disturbing to the, the, the people visiting. So block out is very important. Now, how to have better sleep by taking a remedy? Melatonin is one. Now, melatonin is not something you can get from a over-the-counter. You've got to get it prescribed. Yeah, it's a scheduled substance it's now. A, okay. And so you've got to get to a practitioner to help you there. And it will be prescribed for you specifically. In the Avogel range, we've got two remedies. And they work very well to help a person to have deep sleep. The one is specifically for deep sleep. And it's to help a person fall asleep. It's the remedy that my mom used, Dormisan. D-O-R-M-E-A-S-A-N. Dormisan. It is a Vogel product made from hops and valeriana. This combination of two herbs aids the brain to fall asleep and to have deep sleep. Not necessarily long sleep, deep sleep and to fall asleep. That's where you use Dormisan. In a study that they did in Germany in a sleep therapy room where people did not require any medication but they were not having good sleep and they wanted to improve their sleep, they gave them Dormisan, 30 drops, half an hour before bedtime and measured their sleep before using Dormisan and after. And all the people that used the the Dormisan had deeper, better quality sleep with just one dose of Dormisan. So it can work that quickly. But this is definitely not a remedy for the person that is currently using sleep medication. If you've been on sleep medication to help you to sleep, 
Do not think you can replace it with Dormisan. You need to go and see a homeopath. You need to go and see an integrative doctor if you want to switch to something natural because there's going to be a process. Your brain needs to be retaught how to sleep because the medication has been forcing it to sleep, but it's an unnatural sleep. Hence why sleep uh, tablets, sleeping tablet patients do not wake up fresh the next day. They don't have that same feeling as a person that has a natural sleep. So if you are that person and you want to use something natural, please go and see somebody to help you. Don't just take these products yourself and think that they can compensate for what you've been using. But in the Avogel range, we've got another remedy called Nervousness Insomnia Drops. Nervousness Insomnia Drops. This formula is for the person that is anxious and not sleeping. They're going through a life stage that's difficult and they need to have a little bit of help. We give this to little babies where mom can't get their sleeping pattern right. You give nervousness insomnia. By day four, there is a huge improvement is what we've seen. In anecdotal, just heard back from parents that have said, my child is better. Day four, the sleeping started turning and getting better. So nervousness insomnia formula. Follow the instructions as per label. It's all there how to use it. You can even combine nervousness insomnia and dormisan and use the two together. And these products can be used during the day too to help you just to relax and not be so anxious because that might be the reason why you're not sleeping well. And then there's a remedy that every home needs to know and have, and it's the Pegasus remedy called Trauma Rescue Shock. I've spoken about this remedy a few times in other podcasts, but Trauma Rescue Shock from Pegasus is for traumatic experiences that people go through, and then they are anxious, they have nightmares, babies, children that wake up with nightmares, and they are frightened. You want to give Trauma Rescue Shock. It contains all the remedies for that picture that you see with the nightmares. Use it just for a few days until the nightmares stop and then you stop the remedy. It's not something to use long term. And in the same range, Pegasus has got a remedy called Sleep. And that can also be given to people that battle to sleep properly. So between nervousness insomnia formula, Dormisan, Trauma Rescue Shock, Pegasus Sleep, Good sleep hygiene, as we've now learned, it's important that we ourselves take care of what we're eating and what we're drinking every day in order to help the body to sleep well. For me, what I have found is if I listen to beautiful music and read a great book, my sleep that night is so much better than without it. If I go to bed worried, I wake up throughout the night. When I go to bed and I've left the cares of the world and I've had a great evening of, of a lot of fun and laughter and, and joy and contentment. That's the night that I do sleep well as an adult. But yes, sleeping is so important for our health. Thank you, Dr. David. What an interesting topic. My pleasure. Until next time, from myself, Esti Schreiber from SA Natural Products and Dr. David Nodia, homeopath, we say goodbye. Oh,